Hello again, friends. Thank you for joining me on Wisdom of the Wilderness podcast. I'm your host, Greg, and we are here today to share wisdom and lessons learned from nature and from moving through uncharted territory, both literal and figurative. I am thrilled you're here with me today. I hope you get something out of this. Let's get started with another wonderful episode. All right, sir, and pray tell, what's next in this fascinating bit of studies that you've reported? Well, friends, there is a ton of research out there, and maybe you've noticed now, if you've listened for a bit, that a lot of it kind of regurgitates and repeats on itself. And this is a prescription. This is a prescription. This is the amount you need. That's the amount you need. Yeah, that pretty much is what I've discovered. So we got a study from Scientific Reports in 2019 by White Alcock et al. And that one, one of the main highlights was that spending at least 120 minutes of week per week in nature is associated with good health and well-being. And 120 minutes a week is not a heck of a lot of time. That's two hours. Uh, if we divide that, that's math in my head and not so great. Uh, anyways, doesn't matter. But if you did that in a two-hour walk with your friend on Saturday with a coffee and, I don't know, a baby stroller or a dog, whether you took 12 blocks of 10 minutes to go and walk around the neighborhood on your lunch break or, you know, get up and went for a 30-minute run a couple of days a week, 30-minute um, walk a couple of days a week, that 120 minutes is enough to improve health outcomes. What was cool was um, there's some other studies that also showed that it was that two hours per week in nature was enough to deplete cognitive or to restore depleted cognitive resources caused by stress. So what's that actually mean? Well, you know, stress can have effect on the brain. Cognitive resources would be thinking and questioning, um, you know, overanalyzing, ruminating, uh, being stuck in one's head. So just getting out the door, doesn't matter where, outside can have an effect. And what also was uh, substantiated in this uh, scientific study was that it didn't matter if you were actively in nature or if you were passively in nature. So what that would mean is, you know, if you're active in nature, you know, me, I get up. It was pouring rain. It was 40 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, what's the, uh, I don't call it three Celsius. Um, pretty hypothermic this morning, but I got out in the dark and went for a run. That's one way of being active, walking, uh, jogging, um, riding a bike, pushing a stroller, things like that. You could also be passive in nature where even just sitting in a park, maybe you're meditating, um, you know, maybe you're sitting watching the grandkids play, just being outside provided enough benefit that you were getting, you're going to feel better by being outside. And really 120 minutes a week is not very much. Like if, if you have, if you're watching TV, you can shut off the TV and get outside for that time. It's not that hard to do these things. Now, what's next is I found another study by Shanahan et al. in the journal Sports 2019. And that was about nature-based interventions for improving health and well-being, the purpose, the people, and the outcomes. 
pretty similar. You know, a lot of these things are kind of tying on one another and, and building upon things or referencing the same ideas. Um, for this one, nature-based health interventions can facilitate behavior change because they promote nature-based experiences that improve mental, physical, social health, and well-being. As we've heard in a couple other episodes I've done, the more green and blue space that a city provides, uh, that gives more ecosystem services to people and also has the potential to treat and prevent mental and social health and well-being challenges. You know, the things we talked about, depression, anxiety, feeling disconnected, feeling isolated, um, feeling separated, you know, a whole bunch of things like that. And there's, as we've heard many times, a large and growing body of research that connects nature and health. And unfortunately, kind of slowly, governments, public and private stakeholders are taking these things into account for policy and planning. So some of the ways that this might happen would be like tree cutting restrictions in certain areas where you can't cut down trees, or if you do cut down a tree, you have to replace and replant. Um, Another one would be like density requirements or also minimum green space requirements. So, you know, I see a lot of this here. There'll be four or five houses in an area. And because apparently the cool thing to do is to knock down houses and build giant apartments on them with concrete and steel and a bunch of non-renewable resources, uh, what people do is build a giant apartment building on them. Great. Hooray. And then have a little tiny patch of maybe a tree or maybe a living roof or maybe a couple raised beds. Um, but what we can do is have minimum requirements, uh, have things where if you are in a city or, or an urban area, that there has to be accessible green spaces within a certain proximity so people can get out and get these recharging and regenerative effects. Uh, okay, so going back to this uh, this specific study and some of the, the things that they mention, um, nature prescriptions, and we talked a bit about that before, the Park RX thing, where, you know, getting outside, going into nature for physical activity leads to positive health, health outcomes. It also has mental health and stress reduction benefits. So, again, with this intervention, there's several categories or several ways of benefits that are happening because we've got mental health, we've got physical health, we've got stress reduction, um, social, social, you know, you're, you're outside, you go for a walk, you probably are going to see somebody. Hopefully, we're still in a place where we say hello or smile at people when we go outside. Now, uh, one of the challenges that this study mentions as well is that nature-based interventions, um, they're not mainstream in Western medical care because there's a some kind of bias against it. Um, people don't necessarily have any type of buy-in or any type of knowledge about the benefits of nature, even though that's kind of why we are paying professionals to do their thing, is that they're aware of this. So definitely need to get more outreach with the medical community and with the scientific community to say, hey, nature actually has these benefits to us. There's a lot of things that we can see. There's a lot that we can learn. There's a lot of synergistic effects that aren't easily quantifiable by reducing things to this is the active compound that makes aspirin work. Uh, it's a lot better to go out and get multiple benefits from things than to just take a pill. Yeah, there, there need you know a lot of people are saying we need more research. We need more research. We don't know exactly what the effects are or what the effectiveness of specific outcomes is. But I'm gonna also argue. That just starting to get people outside is going to have as much benefit 
especially when it's something as simple as time outside. This is like walking out your door to do what humans have been designed to do for thousands and thousands of years. The next one, uh, a Hoffman study, um, Swiss study by Hoffman et al. 2017, the International Journal of Environmental Research and Public Health. And that one was entitled Contact Nature Benefits Health, Mixed Effectiveness of Different Mechanisms. Now, for this one, it was really cool because, you know, the, there's a lot of benefits of gardening. And in this study, and they're often overlooked, you know, people are like, ooh, wow, gardening, ooh, hooray, that's not exciting. Um, but actually, it's really important. It's, it's maintaining a lot of skills that um, very quickly are going to the wayside as people move into apartments and condos and don't have access or not don't even necessarily know how to grow different crops somewhere. Um, crops, flowers, plants, different things like that. Anyways, so for this study, they took hair samples, and what they wanted to do is measure the levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, in people who are volunteering in the gardens. What's really interesting and really, really important in 2020, as I record this, is that time spent being idle and sedentary increased cortisol. Time spent in nature decreased it vitally important. I'm going to repeat it. Time spent being idle and sedentary increased cortisol. Time spent in nature decreased it. In that regard, physical activity is an effective way to mitigate the effects, the negative effects of chronic stress. And that physical activity can be something as simple and easy as gardening. You know, getting your hands in the soil, planting things, pruning things, weeding things. That would be great. The uh, conclusion as part of this was that, you know, a lot of the lifestyle issues and a lot of the diseases that people see are a result of chronic stress and lifestyle, you know, sitting at a desk all day, driving to the office, uh, not being particularly active, like that causes a lot of stress. Um, so whatever that chronic stress is, whether it's your job is challenging or it's very go, 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 um, you've got kids, you've got anything, the first priority is to eradicate that source of chronic stress. However, if that can't happen for whatever reason, public health may and I think needs to be used to reduce it. And one of those ways that public health can do that is to advocate and provide and have accessible urban nature for people in cities, as well as rural options and parks and protected areas so you can get out and experience the benefits of being in nature. Uh, one of the major things is this was that the study supports the notion of natural environments being beneficial to human well-being. Haven't talked about this a lot, but with the current and expected rises in population and in urbanization, it's anticipated there's going to be like another billion people in urban areas by 2050. As if your urban area is not overcrowded as it is, imagine another billion people. So with that massive increase of people, uh, it's really important to have green spaces, to extend green spaces so that people have recreation. As well, uh, getting rid of the sources of chronic stress are important rather than trying to remedy the negative consequences to health. Now, that's another, 
other can of worms I'm not going to open right now, but the lifestyle that um, is happening in Western in the Western world isn't really conducive to having great health at the best of times. Um, you know, there's a lot of interacting factors that are affecting everyone. But if that can't be removed, then it is vitally important to have a source of recreation or recreation, a way to get out away from the stress, a way to be far away from screens, far away from fake artificial lights, to be connected to that natural environment that we worked in and we evolved in. Um, you know, it, one could make the argument that it's pretty unnatural to be inside artificially heated and cooled boxes all day to then be in an artificially heated and cooled box with, to get to that big artificial box that you work in. Um, you know, the, the well-being changes that people can notice from something as simple as doing a morning walk, doing an evening walk, doing an afternoon walk, like that's a lot of decompression that can happen. And if you're doing it with a friend or a partner, you know, you get the extra benefit of venting out your day, releasing that energy that stress um, has in you, get, at least get that out, at least talk it, you know, you can, you can release it that way. It, it's a, the universe will take it up, you know? Um, but yeah, so what I wanted to do today was to just share some of these great studies that are coming out and also to say, hey, you know, like the we could try and quantify the exact one benefit of being outside for pretty much forever. And spoiler alert, probably ain't going to be just one. Or we can start to go outside. We can encourage our friends to go outside. We can encourage people that are in charge of planning and organizing these places we live in to make sure that we provide those spaces and that they stay open for people's mental and physical health benefits at all times, not arbitrarily shut down because of whatever reason, but that they're open. All right. Thanks again for joining me, friends. This was a fun episode to record. As always, if you enjoyed this, if it resonated, if you learned something, please share it with your friends, tag it on all the social media things, pass it along. Pretty excited to report that uh, as of the recording of this one and the publishing of it, a whole bunch more podcast hosts uh, are hosting Wisdom of the Wilderness now. Google Play and Spotify and a whole bunch of other things are out there. So please enjoy, please share. And as always, I hope you have a wonderful day, night, afternoon. You get outside somewhere in nature for a little break, and you are all happy and healthy. Take care, friends. <laughs>